The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Help! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 359 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is helping family caregivers advocate for qualitative research. Family caregivers need to advocate more and more because healthcare systems are trying more and more to reduce the time that patients stay in hospitals. So hospitals are sending patients out sooner and sooner. So more and more patients are sent home to the care of their family caregivers. So more and more family caregivers are striving more and more to care for their loved ones with increasingly complicated conditions. What's getting more and more obvious is that family caregivers have needs that should be recognized, respected and responded to. Family caregivers as individuals, groups and communities need to be advocates, advocate for themselves and their family members. But family caregivers advocating for themselves and for their family members is one more challenge for family caregivers already fully occupied in providing family caregiving. But advocating for themselves and their family members is a challenge that family caregivers and their communities can overcome with the help of qualitative research, which is why our topic, Helping Family Caregivers Advocate with Qualitative Research, is important for family caregivers and their family members. Now, for this episode, I am my own guest, so here's something by way of introduction about me. I founded Family Caregivers Unite as an internet radio talk show on Voice America to empower family caregivers by amplifying their voice, spreading their vision, and publicizing their value. I founded Family Caregivers Unite to empower family caregivers by providing them with information that's trustworthy, understandable, and actually useful. I founded Family Caregivers Unite because I understand the importance of family caregiving from my own family experience of a family history of schizophrenia and from my own work as a physician. I founded eQualitative Research This is a project that links human insight with advanced computer-based methods for a type of research called qualitative research. This is research focused on individuals' personal experiences of mental and physical illnesses and persistent disabilities and, of course, family caregiving. 
I founded Equalitative Research based on my experience of listening to family caregivers telling their stories on Family Caregivers Unite. I founded Equalitative Research based on my experience as a medical researcher. I hold the British equivalents of the North American PhD and MD degrees and also the LLD honoris causa from Canada's Simon Fraser University. So, here's me as host asking myself some questions. And my first question is, what is advocacy and how does it differ from activism? Well, advocacy for family caregiving is raising our voices in favor of family caregiving, defending it and recommending it publicly. Activism for family caregiving would be vigorous, provocative action such as marches, protests, occupations. And while activism may at times be justified, experiences that advocacy is more successful than activism because it's more consistent with the caring nature of family caregiving. Now, the next question then is, what can advocacy do to help family caregivers? Well, advocacy for family caregivers can help family caregivers as individuals, groups and communities. It helps them have their voices heard so that they can get their needs understood and responded to, so they can get the recognition they deserve and so that they get the support they need for the caring they provide. Um, advocacy for family caregivers uh, also can help family caregivers have their voices heard so that they get the respect that they need to overcome stigma, which is still troublesome for mental and other illnesses that seem to reflect badly on the families in which these occur and on the individuals who develop these illnesses. Now, next question from me to me is, what can advocacy do to help family members of family caregivers? Well, advocacy helps the family members of family caregivers by enabling family caregivers to be recognized as the navigators helping their family members find their ways through healthcare systems. Can help um, family caregivers to navigate and advocate for the care and attention needed by their family members and it helps family caregivers give their family members voice. Advocacy helps the family members of family caregivers overcome stigma associated with mental and other illnesses. Now I want to give you just an example that covers several of these points that I've, or answers I've just given. Um, it's to do with mental illness and it's to do with the need for teamwork between the various increasing number of healthcare and social professionals who work with people with mental illness and family, family caregivers. Um, that's because family caregivers in the past this isn't why it's important, have basically been seen as something of the problem. Maybe they weren't good parents 
or maybe uh, there was a bit of a family tradition that wasn't very healthy, and that's why things went wrong. Within the past few years, all over, all over the world, there are changes going on in that attitude, and the changes mean that all the healthcare professionals, or most of them, or an increasing number of them, recognize that in caring for and supporting people with mental illnesses, as I've said, teamwork with family members is essential. Now, if we started out on a protest march, which led to the occupation of the clinic in a major mental health care institution, and we had all our placards, that really isn't going to win us very many friends or supporters among the healthcare professionals, the mental health clinic staff, uh, the hospital, the public, or anybody else. But instead, if we're able to produce well-argued, well-argued arguments based on real experience of family caregivers and family members that outline in a careful, considered kind of way the needs, first of family members and in particular, the needs of family caregivers, we're going to get much further. And what that will lead to, and it's starting to happen, and it's important, is that family caregivers then will get the respect they, they deserve, they need, and that they've earned by all they've done in the past. And what that does is, in effect, bring family caregivers inside as members of the healthcare team, they trust the professionals they deal with and the professionals they deal with trust them. Now, there are problems to be overcome still because nothing is straightforward in healthcare or much else besides, but there are some challenges and we're going to talk about those later on. But the fact is that bringing together this team in which family is part of the team, in which the purpose is to support the family members through recovery, the path to recovery in mental illness, is one of the revolutionary changes that's currently going on. Now, where, where um, qualitative research of the kind that I am me and my colleagues are promoting is this, that by collecting information about the experiences of family caregivers, by having them talk about what their experience was, by asking them very open-ended questions, just describe what it was like bringing up a young or caring for a young adult with a serious mental illness. Tell us your experience. That's not, that's not making any assumptions about anything. It's saying to the individual family caregiver, tell us, share your experience with us. And if we now do that with not just one, but several family caregivers, whatever several is will, will be defined as we go, but it's a number, then we're going to get 
um, a picture not just from one individual, but from the community that have in common that they have cared for family members living with, living through, and let us be straight, suffering with mental illnesses. And this way, we will be able as a community to go to the hospitals, to the mental health care systems, to governments, to healthcare providers, um, to others, well, I'll talk about later on, that say, that when we're able to say, this is the experience, the first-hand experience of the people who have lived through this. They need, and then we list the kind of support and help they do need, this is why they need it. Please help us, that is them, the family caregivers, in the way by they need by providing them with the support they need. That becomes a very powerful story. It's working. Um, there's a lot more to be done, but it's very promising. Now, we've reached the um, end of this particular um, episode, so this is where we have to take the break, and this is where I, I always say this is where we have to pay the rent. So, this is Dr. Gordon Lathley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K. Mar and D. Lee. The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, 
please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic is helping family caregivers advocate with qualitative research. Now, let's talk about some examples of advocacy for family caregiving needs. Uh, So my first question to myself is, let's talk about advocacy for family caregivers' needs for information. So here's a a question. Um, What do I need as a family caregiver to know about the new treatment that from what I see on television seems suitable for my family member? Now, let me give you an example of that. Um, liberation therapy three, four years ago was um, got a lot of publicity as a possible relief or cure for MS, multiple sclerosis, a horrible disease. Um, people with the disease, families, were interested in it, obviously, and saw sometimes some opportunity because although it wasn't being offered in North America, it was being offered in parts of Europe um, under the watchful eye of the um, Italian surgeon that developed this this treatment. Now, on Family Caregivers Unite, um, nearly four years ago, um, I did an episode with a man and a specialist. The man was the husband of his partner who had MS. It was well developed. And he talked to us about the questions that he and his wife were asking themselves about whether she should have that surgery, find the money, to go and have the surgery and go and have the treatment. And he explains what they decided, he explained what happened, and he explained the results of the surgery. Now that's a perfect example about a question that my type or our type of qualitative research can do, answer, which is, tell us your experience. He told us our experience. That's now embedded in the on-demand library of Family Caregivers Unite and becomes a piece of history so that when something new comes along in a different way, we have a good idea of the kind of discussion that families, spouses have about the new treatment. Now, here's another one. Um question, need for information. And it's this, what is being done with my family's genetic information? Now, we know that um, genetics is, so to speak, all the rage right now. There's lots and lots of publicity about it. 
um, there's all kind of excitement in, and for good reason because it really is an advance in science. Now here's a cautionary story about genetic information. Um, it goes back to Britain where they were digging up a car park some months back and they found a skeleton and the skeleton was very distorted, it, it, it was twisted and it was in the part of England where there'd been a King Richard III who was killed, nobody quite knew how or where, but had bad deformities of his spine. So they said, maybe this is King Richard III. So they did some genetic analysis on the skeleton, and sure enough, it was King Richard III. But then they did some more genetic investigation, and within a very short space, a surprisingly short space of time, they actually identified a Canadian living here in Canada right now as a direct descendant of King Richard III. Now, that's a marvelous story. I think, you know, we'd all rather like to be identified in that way. But there's another side to it. What it means is that if somebody's collecting my or your genetic information, it's not just about you or me, it's about our descendants, their descendants' descendants, and as far as we know, their descendants forever, certainly for 500 years, because that was the instance with King Richard III. So there we have a situation where there's a warning signal. Who should know? There's a question. Who should know? about my genetic information. And I'm speaking about my own family now because we've got the family history of, of schizophrenia as some of you will have a family history of some kind of illness. Who should know about that? So that's a question. Now, there's another question um, that I'm going to ask, which is what will happen to my adolescent child who gets involved with the law enforcement and justice and detention systems. You see, we know that so many, so many adolescents and young people get involved, who get involved with these systems, have mental illnesses. What their families and what a lot of us don't know, maybe most of us, don't know, is what actually happens inside those systems, law enforcement, justice and detention systems, to these young people, and are they getting the care they need, is it the prison, jail, detention centre, the right place for them to be, how do the courts handle them, all those kinds of questions are very real. So that's another type of advocacy that's required, which is advocacy to find out the answer to that question, what will happen to my child and everybody else's child too. Now, there's another one, um, still another question. Let's talk about, I'm asking myself, advocacy for family caregivers, members' needs for protection and care. Um, needs like the following. Uh, we know that 70% of mental illnesses and many addictions begin in adolescence and young adults. So here's a family caregiver saying, 
my one of my teenagers seems to be getting involved with drugs what are my teenagers needs for protection and care information about that is very very variable and where I see advocacy coming in is let's get that story out let's get people talking about their family experiences uh, how the challenge was dealt with and let's learn from those and then let's start advocating for the kind of care that really is needed now here's another need my elderly father seems to be experiencing more and more difficulty making decisions that's the family caregiver speaking a very common as you all know a very common situation so my question as a family caregiver is this what are his, his needs for protection and care? Um, very unclear. All kinds of problems and complications like autonomy, like at what point uh, do you have to, somebody has to take over and make the decisions for your elderly father or mother. Um, at what point does the law need to step in? What can we do about wandering? What can we do about the danger that sometimes occurs when, for example, it's assumed that people will make the right call, the right judgment call, when, for example, the place they live in begins to burn down? And that happened not too long ago um, in Canada, and 50-some people were burned to death um, because... Unfortunately, somebody had assumed that they, the people would be able to look after themselves, and they weren't. Uh, now, the very final need is my partner. This is a family caregiver again. My partner is living with an illness that's associated with stigma. What are my partner's needs for protection and care? And are there any rights Involved? Does my partner have any rights for protection and care against stigma? So what we're talking about now is a whole set of serious, difficult questions that crop up in many people's lives. Where the advocacy fits in is saying this, let us find out what the situation is that's the qualitative research for people who have lived through it and then let's put all those stories together to make what I call a big story that's nicely written that's very persuasive because it's based on real evidence from real people and then let's present it to places where it will do some attract some attention and I'll talk about those places later where it will get some action and where it will strengthen the role of family caregivers. And then the very final two questions are, and I'm not going to answer them, but I'm just going to put them forward, is advocacy for family caregivers needs for support when they themselves are no longer able to provide family caregiving. Question there is, what will happen to my child when I'm gone. Then another one is advocacy for family caregivers needs for support for their own mental and physical health. Burnout and respite. Receiving health care they need. 
what kind of advocacy is required for family caregivers who are exhausted? I'm not being critical of them. I'm respecting them. They are sometimes often exhausted physically, psychologically, and financially. How can we advocate for family caregivers whose caring has burned them out, who need support, and who themselves need care for their own health in their own situations in such a way that they avoid becoming a patient on themselves for the healthcare system. Now, all of those are matters that this combination of advocacy and qualitative research can address. Now, we've reached the time to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K.Mar and D. Lee. The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. 
Welcome back to our Lessons to Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic is helping family caregivers advocate with qualitative research. Now, let's talk about qualitative research and its use for advocacy for family caregiving. So, Gordon, my first question for you is, what actually is qualitative research and who uses it? Well, qualitative research is asking people to share their first-hand experiences. Um, here's an example. It relies very much on what I've been talking about before, which is, um, so you're, you've been caring for um, your partner who's had a very serious illness for several years. It's getting worse. And you were in the situation where you needed to decide together whether your partner should go for some expensive but innovative research um, based treatment. Now, why ask them? Well, first of all, they are the witnesses. You know, in the way that in a court of law, the witnesses, witnesses are people who've actually been there, done that, or been there, seen that, or been there, had it happen to them. Uh, they're profoundly important. Courts rely on them strongly. So should we rely on them strongly um, in defining needs, defining what qualitative research should and can do, and finding ways in which we can find ap applications for the sort of data, the sort of information that qualitative research can produce. So it's straightforward. We're asking people to share with us their first-hand experiences. Yes, okay, there's more to it than that, but that's the basis of it. Now, let's ask another question. What makes qualitative research so helpful for advocacy? Well, what, what, what's so marvelous about it? Well, first of all, it summarizes the first-hand experience of individuals' personal lives, stories, experiences of mental and physical illnesses and persistent disabilities, family caregiving, interaction with healthcare and social and other major systems and services. Again, it's been there, done that, witnessed it, experienced it. Um, that's the way in which what I call the big stories are created. Because what we do is take the individual stories, um, using a computer to put everything together and create a big story that, if you like, summarizes the points that um, come strongly out of the individual stories. It isn't just a matter of arriving at what I'll call the average, that is, is a typical, typical set of stories. It's looking also at the differences. One individual's experience goes in this particular direction. Another goes in a totally different direction. For example, in some of the episodes I've recorded on Family Caregivers Unite, um, some people will emphasize that even in all of the challenges of family caregiving, there's joy, 
there's happiness to be experienced. And that is a sense of hope, and that is a sense of strength for other people. So that's important. Still another, some people, a surprising number, when I say surprising, I don't mean this in a negative way, um, an interesting number of people allude to spirituality as the way in which it supports them through their life, through their personal experience. It influences their stories and it enables them to live with that sense of hope that there's something else that lies beyond the experiences that they're currently having. In other words, there's something inspirational about it. Um, much more needs to be done to understand and support that kind of storytelling because it's very helpful to people. And I, one of my colleagues says that it isn't necessarily associated with any particular religion, but most groups, cultures, communities will have some type of belief system that holds that spirituality promises something beyond that's hopeful and helpful. Now, once again, I want to talk about the big stories by bringing together the individual stories. Um, you see, big stories are not necessarily huge theses, big books. What they are is stories of enough people being affected by something that's serious enough to get the intention and the attention of the powers that be. We'll talk about them in a moment. Um, big stories are those that when you read them, wherever you are, you say, there's something important here. Yes, I think this needs attention. Now, we know what politicians are like. They get tons of this stuff and they say, yeah, it's a great idea, and then move on to the next thing. What we have to be able to do for family caregiving is create stories that actually stay in front of, stay in the minds of the politicians, so that when they hear something more from us, they say, oh, yes, I think these people are calling for something that we should take seriously. That's the objective. So my next question is, what will be done with the stories of the first-hand experiences? And my answer is, we'll compile the stories of family caregivers and produce big stories of things to be advocated for. And the things that are to be advocated for are seeking recognition of, respect for, and response to the needs of family caregivers. Now, who will we give the publish the big stories for the attention of? That's always an interesting question. The answer is, of course, governments at all levels, local, regional, federal, even international. You know, there's the World Health Organization. There's those kinds of organizations, too. Getting that message out, there's something real here. We also want to publish the big stories for the attention of healthcare and social systems and their professionals. Um, they're 
are helpful in the sense that they are understanding the things that we, we all need to do. But there have been problems in the past where perhaps because they're too tired, perhaps because they've seen too much, perhaps they don't entirely believe in some of the treatments that they are providing, that they are not quite as open to the idea of working with family caregivers, caring for people with serious mental, physical illnesses, serious developmental disabilities, or people who are at the end of their lives. Um, that's why we need to get the big stories out. You know, you know the kind of question that I would like to ask someone. Um, you took your mom to what's called palliative care. What actually did they do for your mom and how 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 did you feel about the way things were going? That's profoundly important. Um, I won't prejudge it by saying what I would like to hear. I will simply say I think we should hear those stories. I'd like to publish the big stories for the attention of police and justice systems. Um, you know, and we all know, and it's very uncomfortable, that some people with physical or mental illnesses can get into situations in the public where they appear to be threatening, they appear to be dangerous, and sometimes the police will shoot them to death. Um, justice systems are not always very good at identifying quite what it is that's the matter with an individual any more than the police are. So publishing the big stories of families' experience of their families getting involved with these just with these systems becomes important. Then, of course, there's the media. Um, would somebody like to make a TV series out of this? Would somebody like to make just a TV show? Would somebody like to write up an article in a newspaper? Would somebody like to do a piece on a local radio station, AM, FM radio station? Because we have some good big stories to tell you is the, is the way we would approach them. And then, of course, there's the public. Because in the end, the public matters. That is to say, if the public is saying, we want something done about this because it all seems, whatever the, this is, whatever the problem is, it all seems so unfair, one. Two, because one day we might be in need of the services that um, either aren't being provided at all or are needed. And therefore, it's in our everybody's interest that we get some changes. Now, will that happen overnight? No. Is that automatic? No. But is it all part of the idea of getting a story out, a big story out? where the story is derived from real people telling real stories of real situations in such a way that people read the whole big story and say, yes, there's something here. Now, once more, it's time for the break, so we'll take that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. 
live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you achieve balance in your life? Is it when everything runs in perfect alignment with each other, time, money, and life? You can keep everything in nearly perfect balance. Listen for Be Mighty with K.D. Marley, which is made up of two people, K. Mar and D. Lee. The hosts have worked with small business owners to find the best and most systematic way of tracking both time and money in order to achieve work-life balance to their advantage. The show can help you, too. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic is helping family caregivers advocate for qualitative research or with qualitative research. Um, now, let's talk about using qualitative research to help with advocacy for family caregiving. And my first question to myself is, what's to be done to get started? Well, I'll tell you first of all um, and explain what we're actually doing. Now, who we are is a little team of people that I work with who all of us are committed to the idea of supporting family caregivers, to the idea of using family um, information, qualitative research with family caregivers to generate the information that's needed. And we've started. So my answer to my question about getting started is this, that my, me and my little team are getting going with two what we call pilot projects. That's, that's scientists' work to say these are just beginning, we're just getting started, we're in learning mode, which is true. And here are the two projects um, that we're starting with. Uh, we're going to be researching the needs of family caregivers 
for advocacy for family caregiving for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. I'll come back, that's in, back to that in a moment. And the needs of family caregivers for advocacy for more understanding and influence for family caregivers regarding the use of their family's genetic information. Now, let's talk about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Um, this is a very difficult topic. Um, first of all, um, women um, who are pregnant can be severely affected or their babies can be severely affected by alcohol consumed by during pregnancy. Is it all women? No. Is it some? Yes. Um, is, is this something that's fully understood? No. But it's understood well enough to know that it's a serious problem. Um, last year, the World Health Organization recognized fetal alcohol, alcohol spectrum disorders as an international public health problem. It affects Africa, um, it affects um, North America, and in fact it affects many, many countries. And the effects are serious. Why are they serious? Well, first of all, the brain damage is permanent. Um, depending on the time that the alcohol is taken, the damage um, can be to a particular part of the brain or even to the face, to the, brain, to the bones, um, to the muscles, to some of the organs of the body. But the damage in the brain is permanent. And to summarize it, the damage produces this effect. A perfectly normal-looking boy who, at the age of 19 or 20, has everything about him physically that a 19-year-old has, except that his mental age is nine. A huge disability. There are all kinds of challenges that creates. One of them is that the boy is at risk of being abused, for example, by crooks who tell him to go and steal something. He steals it. This is he's told. The police arrest him and they ask him, well, did you steal that? And he says, yes, of course I did, because he does not understand either the situation or the situation that got him into the problem that he's now in. It means that it's one of the reasons why prisons, detention centers, and the rest have young people with mental illnesses as their detainees. Our idea for advocacy for family caregivers is this, is to ensure that family caregivers looking after these, these sons and daughters get the support they need to do the best possible caring for this incurable, serious and extremely worrying illness. And that's why we've chosen fetal alcohol spectrum disorders as one of our first projects. The other one, the need for um, advocacy 
for more and better understanding and influence for family caregivers regarding the use of their family's genetic information. That, as I've explained before, is an ethical matter. That is, if you say to somebody, look, just sign here, and that way you're giving us permission to collect your genetic information, that's perfectly fair. You know, you can make the decision for yourself. But if you're making a decision for all your siblings as well, people you live, you know, people that are your blood relatives, for your kids, maybe for your kids who aren't yet born, and maybe for their kids, then that's a very different story. And we in North America, have, or anywhere for that matter, have not figured out what the rules should be to govern those kinds of situations. So that's why our pilot projects are what they are. Now, what can be done, this is the next question, and by whom to bring qualitative research to the service of advocacy by family caregivers? Advocacy for family caregiving. Well, first of all, running for the cure, like cancer, raises major money because it's creating hope of cure. So, let's have a run for care by family caregiving as another way of raising hope. And let's get the runners and the charities they run for to support family caregiving. That's one of the things that our, our group and others are going to try to do. And that's why we've got to have very good persuasive stories. Now, my um, final question to myself is this. What's my message for family caregivers whose lives are far too crowded with family caregiving responsibilities or who are taking a well-earned rest from family caregiving? Well, my message is this. Stay connected with your advocates, including us. There are advocates around plenty. When I say plenty of them, there aren't enough, but there are advocates around and we want to work with them and we encourage you to do, you family caregivers, to do the same thing. But we also hope that you will work with us too because we want to your help in doing what we're doing. And so I'm going to finish with an invitation, a request if you like, for you to email me at doc g at familycaregiversunite.org. Family Caregivers Unite is all one word. Doc G at familycaregiversunite.org. I'd love to hear from you and I will respond and let's see if we can together change the world for a better family caregiving world of family caregivers for family caregivers. Now, I want to say we're coming to the end of this episode. I hope you found it useful and interesting. I want to thank you for listening. As I've said, I'd now like to hear from you so I can connect with you in the work of qualitative research so we can advocate together. Our next episode will be what family caregivers should know about psychiatric rehabilitation for people with severe mental illnesses such as schizophrenia. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. 
Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.